Today in TFC Stock Geekout, we are going to explore a company entrenched in a new cycle touted as the operating system of tomorrow, the one enterprise software ecosystem that will fundamentally change the way big data is being processed and appreciated. This is a company you guys have been asking for and founded by Quirky Guys in 2003, even before Facebook and currently serves major governments and big corporations growing top-line revenue fast. So joining me today to kick out on this fast-growing enterprise ecosystem is Chris Susanto, founder of RethinkWealth.com, someone that holds closely to this idea of margin of safety, but actively looking for interesting companies to acquire. We explored Palantir and compared it to its competitors. Actually, Palantir has competitors, yeah? So geeking out on company finances, headwinds and tailwinds on big data, and trying to figure out its value relative to the broader tech space. So join us as we take on different positions to explore this company beyond the news cycle and sensationalization. For reference sake, this episode was recorded on 8th of May 2021 and released early to our community members. Our discussion today is solely for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendation. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. So coconuts, let's geek out. The company for today, you know, it's an extremely popular company. I mean, like, uh, popular in the news cycle. A lot of people have been talking about it. And even within our community, people are asking about the company. And the company is Palantir, right? Uh, organized by, uh, <laughs> founded by this uh, a little bit crazy guy. <laughs> at least, at least I feel it's a little bit crazy. <laughs> right? So today, you, uh, Chris is with uh, with us today to talk about Palantir, and I want to um, hear about your thoughts about this company, and you know where do you see this thing? What do they actually do? Maybe you can share with us a little bit more about it. Sure. Thanks. Um... So, uh, first of all, the big picture is uh, the idea of uh, when I do uh, my monthly stock case study, the idea is really, as, uh, as you have mentioned, to dive into the fundamentals and really to teach and to share. So, it's definitely not a stock recommendations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> important, I'll just put it out there. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Very important. Um, so Palantir is a very interesting company, right? And it's been in the news lately. Uh, I think Cathy Wood have been uh, have been into it also, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's a company that uh, that we think that is new and is fast growing. But did you know that Palantir has been around since 2003? Wow. So oh, yeah, it's like older so, than Facebook. It's a, it's pre Facebook. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been around for 18, about 18 years now. And uh, mm-hmm. the idea is really their focus is on providing companies, not our small companies or even medium size, is to provide companies with more than $500 million in annual revenue solutions to manage large disparate data to gain insight and drive operational outcomes. So I'm sure you uh, you would agree that in today's age, it's not about the lack of information, it's that there's too much information, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just too many. I can't keep yes. up. Hmm. Yes, it's just too many information out there. And Palantir is a company that uh, 
that is providing solution on how to make use of this information better. So in mm. 2008, at around the time of the financial crisis, right, 2008, they released their software ta- uh, f- focusing on providing solutions for government intelligence and defense sectors. So mm. the software is called Gotham, like the Batman Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and just based on naming, right, you can know how eccentric the founder is. We'll, we'll go into yeah. that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's uh, yeah. very, very interesting. Uh, then eight years later, eight years later, they came out with another software, also focusing on sort of the same mission on how to make use of all this data. Uh, but it's called Foundry. So Foundry mm. is really the goal is to become the data operating system for companies and industries. Mm. So, so far we've understood that um, uh, Palantir has uh, two main uh, focus now. Gotham, mm. founded in 2008 for government. Foundry, founded in 2016, which is mainly mm. for uh, commercial customers. Yeah. Big companies. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep, yep. So as of its IPO, they have about 125 customers with revenue roughly split between commercial and uh, government customers. Uh, maybe can you uh, take a guess which revenue growth is faster now? Is it from the government, Gotham, or from the commercial foundry? I, I definitely think it's it's the commercial side. I mean, there are only so many governments, right? And they, I think they're already in a lot of them. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there are indeed only so many government. Uh, so in 20- <laughs> yeah, and so many government that require something like that at this point in time. Yes, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And did you also know that in 2020, Palantir said that they helped 10 national government to respond to COVID-19. Uh, so, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's also, uh, that shows another application for mm. Palantir's uh, use cases for its mm. softwares. Mm. Um, so you're right, the commercial side is indeed growing much faster uh, because really the idea for Foundry again is uh, for them to be, this is their goal, for them mm. to be the data operating system for companies mm. and industries. Yeah. So can, you give us, uh, can you give us a little bit of context as to What is the current situation with a lot of these big enterprises? How are they managing their data? And what kind of software arrangements are they having? And why would they need a platform like Foundry in that sense? Yeah, so I think uh, a lot of the these companies are still managing their data. I'm not sure exactly how are they managing their data uh, in all the companies. But overall, I think companies are usually managing their data in-house, maybe using a more traditional systems, systems that require like traditional updates, you know, when you mm. need to update it, you go and update it. Uh, mm. As compared to what Palantir is uh, providing, which is a continuously updated system and a system where Uh, it is even suitable for mission-critical information re- regarding national security. So they mm. call it the the level 5 uh, <laughs> system. Level 5, Gotham, Foundry. Yeah. Like, we're seeing a theme here, how they, how they call <laughs> these things. And, oh, yes. and this system, uh, 
that help them mm. to continuously update their information without having like downtime and they can even deliver platform upgrades without human intervention regardless of mm. the environment this system is called apollo so mm. i think how is different than the traditional way of how these uh, entities manage their information is that for palantir in terms of the upgrades in terms of the platform upgrades they don't have any user downtime and mm. this system of upgrading called apollo which is behind gotham and foundry it is even configured to decide what to upgrade when to do it and how to do it and mm. it is built to be able to work in an environment that traditional software as a service company finds it hard to work at yes yes and i, I want to add on that um in the sense that i have did a short stint in the enterprise software space mm. right and my experience is enterprise software is a ragtag patchwork <laughs> it's oh, like a what do you mean yeah a company comes to you and they have a certain problem that they're trying to solve, right? Or they're trying to build some sort of enterprise software and then they give you like a list. So there will be all these kind of uh, enterprise software advisor or advisory companies and they will go in and then kind of visit what are the problems. Oh, you got problem A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Maybe you want to uh, automate your paperwork. You want to have uh, e-signatory. You want to uh, attach your post to a frontline backend, direct email push, you know, multiple features that you want to have. So mm. that will be all your feature list, right? all the problems that you want to solve. And what happens is these um, advisory companies will then go and find solutions out there that are already available, and then mm. they will buy all these solutions and whatever that's not available, they will hard code it or they will outsource to hard code it. So it becomes like a Frankenstein, you know, uh, enterprise <laughs> ecosystem at the back. Right? It's mm. a lot of patchwork that's going on and they don't work with each other. The different parts of the softwares, they are not built by one platform. So they are everywhere, right? In that sense. Mm, mm, um, mm. And it, will, it makes it extremely hard for the company to have their data really sync up in a way that can give them more insights and with mm. more ease, right? Because yeah, everybody yeah. wants to guard their own side of the software. Exactly. And also, exactly. And also like what you just said, right? It's, it's about the update downtime. Apollo allows somehow, mm. I don't know how they do it, but they allow <laughs> you to, yeah, you know, they, these are like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's amazing, right? So yeah. they allow you to constantly have updates without really updating. Whereas in the mm. traditional enterprise software arrangement, right, you have to go in and, have downtime and, you know, just to transit from one enterprise software setup to another one, it can take six months, it can take five years. You know, it, it's it's crazy. But these guys are, 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 you know, I don't know how they do it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is a sign of a potential a competitive advantage and a potential differentiation that mm. might be able to separate uh, Palantir as compared to maybe other other companies that are also in this market. Uh, mm. because of this ability in terms of the security and the execution. And also mm. really there's a fundamental need to manage data. For example, one of the US commercial customers is uh, PG&E. So PG&E mm. is a utility company, right? So mm. uh, they collect like 8 to 10 billion data points every day. And wow. this 8 to 10 billion data points every day, uh, now uh, Appalentia is helping to manage that in order to enhance their safety and grid reliability. Yeah, and it's like the California yeah. guys. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Electrical problems, yes. Uh, yeah, 
Exactly. I think mm. I think you might have uh, seen PG&E uh, quite recently in the news. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of news. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, so yes. I think there's a real need, you know, for uh, mm. for for what Palantir is doing, and mm. uh, I think it's interesting to see um, what they will do in the future. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. But but the are, are we are we on the grounds that they are solving a real problem? And, mm. you know, they are quite revolutionary, but both of us as investors and not experts in the field mm. don't actually know what goes into that thing. <laughs> what goes into that thing? Oh, you mean the yeah, software? Like, like, like the software itself. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. kind of like, like, like investing in, let's say, BlackBerry, QNX. Yeah. Uh, ecosystem like yeah you know it's very secure you know industry standards they are meeting it and they are getting yeah. a, a lot of adopters but you yeah. don't exactly know what is inside <laughs> 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 you, you know what I'm saying you know what yeah, I'm saying yeah 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 I know what you're saying I think security right is a very important mm. aspect for Palantir because if mm. they are not secure the US government will not want to engage them and give them so many projects and in fact, I think their security is uh, really one of the areas that they are focusing on because they are also uh, working towards to become the first software as a service company in uh, what they call DOD Impact Level 6 for Classified Secret National Security Systems. And basically, Bro, you this... speak human. <laughs> okay, <What>? so, <laughs> so like basically... Uh, you know, if you are in like Dropbox and uh, and like Google Drive, mainly these mm. clouds are what we call like normally it's called the public cloud domain, where it's not as as secured as in the private cloud domain. Or maybe if you have a hard disk, right? If you have a hard disk and you put in all this, uh, all your data in the hard disk, it is definitely more secure than you put it in the cloud. So yep. what Palantir is doing with this Apollo cloud is that this cloud are separate from the public domain. So mm. I think it's not like they are having like a black box where we don't know what they're doing. Mm. I mean, we know roughly what they're doing, but of course we don't know how they are doing it. Right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, it's a company that really still have a lot of founders control. I think mm. uh, their founders still have uh, nearly fifty percent of the total voting power. Wow. Yeah, mm. because why they is have it important this... to you? Why is it important that the founder must have control, specifically mm. for a company like that? You look at Berkshire Hathaway, right? Mm. Even though Warren Buffett don't have fifty percent, he have a substantial uh, voting power. Then you mm. look at Grab. Anthony, the CEO, even though they have he have very little shares, but he'll have the majority voting power. And mm. it's important for some companies to have that, even Facebook, right? Mark Zuckerberg has lots of uh, voting power. It's important so that if you believe in the CEO and if you believe in his execution, past execution, then it's a very good thing because mm. it will allow the company to be more nimble, flexible, and execute better. Instead of, if the CEO don't have much power, then they'll have to negotiate with the boards here and there and uh, things will definitely move slower and uh, it will not be as stable uh, in my view. Mm. Cool, cool. And Palantir founders and companies, uh, they know that what they're doing, right, is a business in which they need to be aligned with the vision to support Western liberal democracy and its strategic allies. 
So, so I read this in... Uh, <laughs> political guys, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I read this in, uh, I think, in their website mm. or from one of their reports. Uh, and I mean, if you think about it, it, it makes sense, right? Because they have so many business with the US government. Mm. They cannot suddenly, you know, do something that goes against, you know, the interests of their customers. Which yep. also means that they have no intention of working with China. <laughs> <laughs> I think not at all. Uh, yeah, uh, not uh, at uh, all. Yeah, hundred yes, percent yes. no. Because <laughs> it's basically it's against their company's vision and it's against what they do fundamentally. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, yep. So yep. then, who are these founders? And you want to introduce us a little bit to the founders? You know, they sound like some crazy guys. You know, <laughs> in the <this> space. <laughs> Yeah. So, so the CEO of the company is called uh, is called Alexander Karp. He co-founded Palantir with Stephen Cohen. So Stephen Cohen is now the company president and secretary, while the chairman for Palantir since two thousand and three is this uh, famous guy. I think you know him. Have you heard of Peter Thiel? Oh yeah, I know, I know, my friend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's everywhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he he's everywhere. He's uh, mm. one of the early investor, the first outside investor of Facebook. Mm. Uh, basically, uh, quite an astute investor. And mm. uh, yeah, so these three are the guys that is more or less running Palantir. And so far, I think for the past eighteen years, I think they have done okay. But if you look at it. Even right now, uh, their metrics, you know, I compared it to like competitors, right? Like mm. whom I view as competitors like Tyler Technologies, Everbridge, JFrog, SolarWinds, you know, these kinds of like companies. Even when comparing to these kind of companies, I think Palantir uh, metrics, numbers, quantitative aspects are really still not in uh, what I would say optimal position because mm. their earnings seems to be still like negative and uh, and of course if you look at their return on equity it's also very horrible as of the latest data that I got is around negative 334.5%. I, uh, <laughs> I think this was their latest uh, annual report data. Now might have been mm. better. Haven't, mm. haven't checked on that. But as you can see it's a company with like high gross margins 65.02% of gross margins, which is like really high. But again, if you look at its net profit margins, it's very bad at negative 126.01%. <laughs> so where, uh, where is the money going then? If the margins are so high, that means they're making money, right? But then where are they spending it? Yeah, I think they're spending it a lot on operating expenses because if you look at their operating expenses to revenue, it's 126.7%, which means mm. that they are spending more in terms of operating expenses <laughs> as compared to revenue. Yeah, for every dollar, they are spending $1.23 in that sense. Exactly. On, uh, <laughs> on like maybe like uh, manpower, marketing and things like that. Mm. But I think they are mm. investing in the future because their revenue growth is uh, really high. And uh, when we look at companies like this, one of the things that we must try to understand is that, hey, are they in any danger of going bankrupt uh, because they are burning so much cash, right? So mm. one of the things that I like to look at is, do they have enough cash to pay off all of its long-term debt? So mm. for Palantir, they have about, from the latest annual data that I got, 
they have about 10.16 times as many cash as his long-term debt. So, oh. yeah. That's a lot, so, a lot of cash sitting around. Yeah, that's a lot of cash. So they are mm. in no danger of like going bankrupt. Default, yeah. Yeah, anytime soon because for every $1 of long-term debt, they have $10.16 of cash. Mm. Yep. Nice, yep. nice. Yeah. Why do you put these guys as their competitors? Like SolarWinds, JFrog. I mean, if, if, if mm. Palantir was so interesting and so sexy, so revolutionary, mm. why does the company have all these competitors? Well, it might be a bias. Like if someone mm. loved Palantir so much that they would say that there's no competitors, mm. right? Mm. Because if you look at it from a second level point of view, Confirm got competitors. It's just, uh, <laughs> is it very direct or like, mm. or like, or like, is it currently indirect? But it's a really potential competitors because they have mm. like the same kind of like resources and skill sets. So I mean, like Solar Winds is already a provider of IT and infrastructure management softwares. So mm. for Solar Winds, they do provide like network management, system management, database management, and they generate majority of its revenue from the US. Uh, mm. Solar Winds, I think, was recently hacked. As well, if you if you remember, I think a few oh months back. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's a very so, big no-no with enterprise software companies. Exactly. Moment, yeah, moment you're hacked, it's like oh, bye, you're not good enough. Next year, exactly. <laughs> if like Palantir is hacked, ah, uh, well, trust mm. me, the share will tank like mm. there's no tomorrow because, as we said just now, they are they are focused on security, right? Uh, mm. So they're focused on really having a good uh, like security system because they are managing all this sensitive data, especially mm. for governments and also even for companies, but especially for governments. Mm. So yeah, so even SolarWinds is still a potential competitor because they do have all these resources already. JFrog mm. is, on the other hand, uh, they provide end-to-end hybrid uh, universal platform to achieve continuous software release management, which means that it also have the resource to continuously deliver software updates across mm. system. And also they have majority of their revenue from the US. And it's basically a company that's still in a similar industry as Palantir. And JFrog can also continuously deliver software updates. Like <laughs> what we talk about just now in Apollo, Apollo. Yes. <laughs> yeah, mm. Apollo. So if you think about it, it's not unique just to Palantir. You know, JFrog mm. also can do it. Mm. Then, Everbridge Inc. is a software company that also provides like software applications and help organization to respond to critical events to keep mm. people safe and businesses running. So it mentioned like during public safety threats, like active shooter situations or terrorist attacks, they have a software as a service platform to help its customers to aggregate and assess threat data, locate people at risk and let the responders know on how to assist them and to automate the execution. So if you look at this, it's also something that, you know, quite the same as what Palantir yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's doing, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, so mm. there's Everbridge. And then the last one, I also compared it to Tyler Technologies that, that is, I would say, the more mature ones out of the rest. The margin is not so high, but the EPS has been growing uh, consistently. And uh, it's a more like predictable kind of companies, I guess. Uh, mm. Because, uh, I mean, it also 
uh, provides a full suite of software solutions and services that addresses the needs of cities, counties, school courts, and other local government entities. So, mm. you know, this is also a company that yeah. provides uh, for government. So, also mm. roughly around the same target market as Palantir and definitely a potential threat. Yeah. Mm. So, if you look so, at all these, then we naturally link like towards the kind of the relativity in terms of these valuations, right? Mm. So, if you look at the relativity in terms of valuations, it's hard to know if a company is... If it's negative earnings, we cannot use price to earnings ratio. Mm. And if it's negative free cash flow, it can be quite uh, subjective if we use a, a discounted cash flow. Yeah, so, and I think they are still very yeah. early to 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 observe any kind of profitability. You know, yeah. in terms of like in terms of like free the the DCF structure, the DCF valuation yeah. method. You know, so exactly you will have a lot of assumptions, which makes it a bit uh a bit weird <laughs> in terms of how reliable yeah. your valuation process is. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So for this kind of companies, uh, normally like people look at maybe price to sales, uh, mm. or maybe enterprise value to revenue. Uh, mm. So what I like to look at for this case is perhaps enterprise value to revenue. Why enterprise value to revenue and not price to sales or price to revenue is because uh, when we look at the enterprise value, we are looking at the total value of the company, including debt. Mm. So if you look at uh, just the price, it's not a good comparison if you compare all these companies with different uh, company structure. So some have more debt, some have more equity. Mm. So for these five companies, right, SolarWinds have a debt to equity ratio of about 0.6, while Everbridge have a debt to equity ratio of 1.75, while Tyler has no long-term debt, zero. So it's a bit like uh, the debt to equity ratio range is a bit high. So mm. enterprise value is more suitable because you're looking at the company from the total value uh, from its debt and also from its equity. So, can you guess uh, who has the highest EV to revenue? <laughs> I, I, I'm expecting Palantir la, by now. <laughs> Based on what you're saying, I'm like, confirm must be this guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's uh, Palantir based on uh, May 2nd. Uh, its EV to revenue is at about 38.95. So, it has about close to 39 times its revenue. Uh, followed by JFrog at 28.43, Everbridge at 18.31, Tyler at 14.57, and the lowest is the company that was recently hacked, SolarWinds, <laughs> at, <laughs> at 6.726. Essentially, the denominator of evaluation that you're evaluating with is revenue, right? Are we yes. seeing like, are we seeing top-line revenue grow really fast for Palantir? Like, is it outgrowing the other guys? I would say that it's likely yes. And usually, this kind of revenue growth uh, will be kind of linked to the premium that you can see in the market in terms of the price to sales and in terms of the EV to revenue. Mm. So, in 2020, their revenue grew by 47%. So, that's mm. very high. And of course, it's still in... Uh, in a high growth stage. Right now, I think if you look at the details, right, Palantir growth in terms of its commercial US customers, it increased by 107% in terms of revenue in 2020. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's but, crazy. 
Yeah, but of course, it's coming from a lower base. But mm. I think investing is all about margin of safety. And, uh, and I think there are some risk to this mm. in terms of potentially rising interest rates in the future, which will make all these growth companies' valuations will likely be more fraudy. Because mm. with higher interest rate, there's higher, there's higher discount rate and the valuation for this growth company will naturally be, be lower. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. But let us dig a little bit deeper into like the mm. reason behind the growth. Like mm. why is it why is it growing so fast? Are we seeing like a lot of uh, marketing going into it or are we seeing like product superiority? So that's why there's like fast adoption or or or, or what is going on, right? <laughs> like in in your yeah, view. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think I would say it's a combination of factor, right, in my view. Mm. Uh, first of all, as as I've shared just now, they spend more in terms of operating expense than their revenue. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so like if you pump something and then you pump even more than your revenue mm. for your operating, <laughs> means you are you really want to grow, right? Mm. Uh, mm. So that's that factor, and of course, uh, I think in terms of the commercial side of the business. Of course, they are targeting like uh, minimum $500 million in revenue kind of companies. But I think they have barely touched the surface. If I'm not wrong, I've read somewhere that they've only gotten about like 20 plus of these customers where potentially there are like 300 of these customers. So mm. the total additional market size is definitely huge. And mm. I think in terms of uh, what they have is potentially scalable. Because if you think about it, right, uh, normally these consulting firms, uh, when they do this kind of enterprise system, you know, they usually do it on a custom basis, right? So it's mm. quite costly. But for Palantir, you either use Gotham for government or Foundry for commercial. And mm. then they basically use this same system, but to different kind of businesses. So potentially it is uh, much more scalable than... Uh, the normal kind of like consulting firms. Mm, okay, okay, that's mm. interesting. So yeah, yeah then are, are they too young to have some modes? <laughs> are they like <laughs> in a so mm. like where are they? Where are they on this like modes kind of thing? In mm. your view? Yeah, so I think that's a very good question. I think mm. I think they do have some signs of like potential mode in terms of his uh, branding. Uh, because if you have something that's secure and something that the US government use a lot, your brand mm. will be viewed more favorably, right? Mm. As like, especially oh, in know. this space, yes. Yeah, especially yeah. in this space. And then there might be some mode also in terms of the switching costs. Once you are mm. signed in contract of one year, three year, five years, then you already use their platform. If you want to switch all your data out, might be harder. Right, mm. so that's, that's very hard. It's very hard. Very right? hard. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not like it's not like you know like small operations like ours with five mm. six man team. We don't want to change mm. some sort of software. Just change law. I'm sure for a lot of people that work in the big companies, they know that you know when companies decide to change, you know these kind of systems, it's gonna be like wow, long 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 effort to that. So exactly. yeah, very high cost for switching. Yeah, so mm. could potentially be high cost for switching and also there might be some, uh, I don't know, in the future. Right now, they're mm. spending a lot for their operating expenses. But mm. once they got all these customers, there could be some uh, like economies of scale. 
and because they are using like either Gotham or Foundry with the back end being Apollo. So uh, there might be some savings there and it could all translate potentially to free cash flow and a bottom line. But of course, it's still in the early stage and we are still like, thinking, oh, you know, this is such a good company, blah, 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 blah right? <laughs> but, but like, we don't know what will happen. I yes, mean, the certainty yes. factor, I would say, is not that strong, mm, I would say. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. say that it's uh, something that is as certain as maybe like Coca-Cola or maybe like Costco. And also, if you think about it, right, this is a company that has customers that spend millions, right? So mm. it's not a company that have thousands or tens of thousands or, or like even hundreds and hundreds of customers. Palantir is a company where, you know, they don't have much customers, but each customer is like 5 million, 10 million. So there might be some potential customer concentration rates also in the future. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so there could yeah. be something to think about. Yeah, they are in the apex of um, software essentially. So only mm. a bunch of people can afford something like that. So yeah, exactly. concentration risk is a very real thing. Yeah, that's true. Mm. So yeah, I think I think that's kind of what we we understand, right? It's not all about the sexy news and the media circuit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of these things like, well, I make it sound like they're only one, but that's what marketing is about, right? And when you really yeah. look down, actually they have competitors and there are all these other software guys that are also trying to play this game. And mm. uh, maybe that's uh, interesting to see what are the other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. Mm, because mm. investing is not uh, that simple. Uh, I think in the recent uh, Berkshire Hathaway annual general meeting, Warren talked about uh, like the fact that, hey, there's more to investing than, oh, this, this, is, this is a sexy name or, or like this is the future mm. of this industry. Because even though the industry has, uh, has a certain like, maybe 5G is the future or like internet of things, but it can be hard to predict exactly which specific company will reap most of the rewards from this emerging market. So uh, we need to look, look deeper lah, and understand mm. the company more before we mm. invest. Mm, okay, so, so what are some of the headwinds and the tailwinds you see in this sector of enterprise software, you know, where Palantir is playing in? I mean, you know, digitalization is going to be a long-term tailwind. Mm. And there will definitely be more data moving into the cloud, uh, especially with the with the convergence between mm. like what we like normally know as something that we do offline are starting to all go online. There'll be more data online. <laughs> yeah, there'll be no more NTC queue, just saying. Everybody's <laughs> gonna buy online. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And I mean, you know, supermarkets and then mm. uh and then also going to the doctor. Now there's telehealth, right? If it's not mm. urgent, you can just like do it uh, through like teleconference, through like video calls. And then maybe for your maybe diabetic management or things like that, you can like potentially use a software to like track it. Uh, the whole point is that more data are going up into the cloud and mm. uh, Palantir knows that. They are big data and... The idea is really about how to manage those data to come up with some sort of uh, actionable uh, things that companies or governments can do. So I think the tailwind into the future is very strong because uh, COVID-19 has really accelerated the move towards digitalization for 
all industry. Yeah, look at what we are doing, right? <laughs> exactly, Re- exactly. Remotely recording this. Yeah, exactly, cool. exactly. Yeah, mm, and it's nice. awesome, right? And it's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So so all in all, I think you share a lot of good stuff. What what is what is your outlook for this company in terms of like what do you think is the, the best case that can happen to them? Because they're in a really young stage, right? There's it's a lot mm. it's very hard to talk about, you know, their financials or like, you know, do they have a lot of cash and all those kind of things because they're so young, their business are not even really like, you know, them young in the sense that I think they've spent a lot of time developing their product. You know, mm. like for for really long. I mean, they started in two thousand three, right? They spent a bunch of crazy scientists developed a very very uh, rigorous product in that sense, and they mm. took a lot of time. But young in a, young as a business, right? A product is not just it's not a business, right? So they're very young as a business. So where do you think um, this company can go in terms of like what's the best case? You know, what's the worst case? What mm. what, what do you what do you see? Well, I think the worst case is really right now they are sort of like uh, one of the top dog or like the top of mind in terms of really having a secure platform uh, that could like manage data well for government and for like companies. But if there's suddenly a competitors that are also as good in terms of the security, in terms of the platform and the reliability, we are just talking about as good uh, or maybe... If it's even better, then it's, it's, it's like even worse, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Then I think their growth rate is going to slow down and the premium that the market is assuming for Palantir at a EV to revenue of maybe 30 to 40 uh, might not be relevant anymore if the company grows, slows down and then the stock price will naturally crash. But of course, mm. the bull case is that if they can continue the high revenue growth rate for both Gotham and Foundry for years to come, then uh, their premium like in the market as compared to competitors might be more justified. And if that's the case, then perhaps uh, as they grow consistently and then uh, the market will naturally, in terms of the price, will likely adjust to it as well in terms of price appreciation. But of course, Mm -hmm. that's the bull case lah. Clearly, clearly, I'm not sensing a bull here. (laughs) Uh, I think, I think, for any companies in the market, right, we have to try Mm. to approach it with a balance of mind and what we call like, like equanimity. But ultimately, whatever happens, my principle is margin of safety. So, Mm. so we try to be as rational as you can, and we try to be as business like as we can. Even though it's a great company, we try to put in some safety net, uh, just in case yes. we are wrong. Yes, yes, yes. And, yeah, and, and I think, I love it, I love it. Because exactly for companies at this stage, you know, mm. where they are like super early, and it's very growth kind of, not super early in a sense that they are startup, they're not, but they're very early in the, in the broader business environment. Um, and in such a stage, a lot of things can happen. And, you know, we we want to essentially price in a lot of those safety if we are investing in something like that, mm, you know. Mm. But, yeah, you know, Katy Wu is in it, la, but doesn't exactly. matter, right? <laughs> doesn't matter. Okay, don't just follow the girl. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. Don't just don't just follow because it, uh, investing is a very personal endeavor. Because mm. only if we understand what we are investing, then we can sleep well at night and grow with it over the long run. 
Cool. I, I know you, you're very big on that. So yeah, I think we've, we've covered a lot of things about Palantir from the model, what they're trying to do, what is their current valuation, who are their competitors. That's great. Uh, is there any other thing you want to add for us today? Uh, yeah, in conclusion, uh, Palantir is a company that, in my view, have uh, shown like certain kind of uh, competitive advantage in terms of its execution, in terms of security, in terms of you know, uh, having the kind of platform and softwares that is applicable uh, in terms of the use cases for not only government at, uh, like entities, but also commercial companies like PG&E. And mm-hmm. seems like uh, their founders and their management has a good grip on the company. And uh, likely they do have like a certain idea on how the company will grow into the future. But I would say that the valuation does not offer... Uh, huge margin of safety. So, mm. but definitely it's a company that I'm watching very closely. And if the price is attractive enough, uh, I might consider to initiate a position in it. Nice, love it, love it. Yeah, and let's let's continue to have more discussions about margin of safety in another podcast. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, Chris. Love it. See ya. You're welcome. Thanks. Okay. Hey Coconut, so I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not giving you any recommendations here, but I'm always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series has a lot more depth and terms, so if you have any questions for us, do join our community telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and may you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. See ya next week.